0: Good evening, America and Canada, for that matter. You know, welcome to Water Break. I got my Canadian mug right here. For those who are in crazy blue COVID states or Canada, sure. The question I want to ask you this evening is, are you a refugee or are you a reinforcement? My guest today is Pastor Dave Hatcher, and most of the Water Break team is lined up and ready for you. So grab your best scotch or Dr. Pepper and enjoy the show. But first, today's culture shifts like sand, but New St. Andrews College is established on Christ, the immovable rock. It is a primer, is a premier and a primer. I think I did that last time, too. It's a premier institution that forges evangelical leaders who don't fear or hate the world. Guided by God's word, they take the world back because they're equipped with the genius of classical liberal arts and God-honoring wisdom. Thanks to a faculty dedicated to academic rigor and to God's kingdom. Find out more at NSA.edu. That's NSA.edu. It's the real NSA. Cannonball or belly flop? Reinforcements or refugees? For those who are awake, understand that, and, and, and kind of understand that we are living in political tumultuous times. This is particularly the case if you're living in coastal leftist states and Canada. You know, San Diego School District has already declared students will be required to mask when school starts up again, already. Uh, or or the students can Zoom, they can tune in Zoom if they don't want to wear a mask. D.C. will be requiring all students ages 12 and up to get the vaccine in order to attend in-person classes. And Canada, Canada is resuming random COVID testing for air travelers Sort of like our random TSA checks, you know, can you say theater COVID measures, theater security? As a side note, my friend Andrew D. Bartolo, um, who was here this past week, uh, as he was flying back from the US into Canada, coming into Canada, no one was required to wear a mask until they started their descent into Toronto. So for an hour and a half, Flight, the flight, no one was wearing a mask, and the Canadian government thinks they're, they're fighting COVID by requiring people to wear masks the last 20 minutes of the flight? Tyranny is not reasonable, which is why you resist it when it's in its infancy. Before we go any further, it has to be said that our countries, U.S. and Canada, who I'm specific, specifically addressing today, are in this position because fathers have abdicated their responsibilities and the church has abdicated her responsibilities in various ways. We've talked about that uh, numerous times and different times on the show. We aren't going to go into that right now, but we need to learn from this, that in God's world, if we do not follow his design order, and in this case, we're talking about how he has ordered the church, the family, and the civil governments, then the imbalance created by that abdication will give room to one of the other governments taking over the abdicated space, that abdicated space. The civil government has done everything. Excuse me, the civil government has done this very thing as both the church and the family governments have abdicated their responsibilities. <clears throat> so if we want the church government to shrink, the church and family need to repent right, right in this very place, right where we're abdicating this authority and giving over to the government in this very spot. So here we are. We have very difficult states like California, the state of Washington, which is where well, my guest Pastor Dave Hatcher is from, and in Canada, the most conservative province. And Canada was the province that was arresting pastors. And then, of course, Ontario's um, pretty crazy, too, in Canada. One of the things I'm grateful for in all this is that God, in his kindness, has brought together a lot of like-minded pastors, churches, and families who understand the moment we are in and are trying to figure out what is the best way forward. I've been very grateful to experience new friendships from all the pastors, a lot of the pastors in Canada who are resisting, and a lot of new... Friendships here in the U.S. from uh, kind of this awakening. The other thing that this COVID moment has revealed is that a lot of Christians have put themselves in vulnerable situations and and have realized that they need to make some big changes in their lives. These vulnerable situations include attending church that has soft leadership. They've kind of woken up to that. Realizing your kids in public school is not a good idea. And not having a solid local community is another one. That's been kind of a a big one. And fathers realizing that they have not led their family well and so forth. This has caused a lot of social, economic, ecclesiastical, and even geographical movement in these last two years. My community grew by, my church grew by 500 people in the last um, year alone because of kind of that ecclesiastical shift. A lot of people switched churches move to a different city, state, or country, even a different country, change jobs and and more, all because of this COVID shakeup. Now, if you are in one of these kind of commie government situations, there are really two categories. There are not really two categories. There are two categories I want you to consider. Are you a reinforcement in your land, or do you need to seek refugee status in a new community? Are you in a good situation where you have a good church? a good community, a good you know post to fight from? Are you in a position of weakness with no church, no solid classical Christian school or like-minded community? If you have a good post to fight from, don't leave. Don't abandon that post. This goes for you, Canada. This goes for you and those, uh, those coastal states. Stay and fight. Be an encouragement to your pastor. Run for city council. Figure out ways to push back. My guest this evening is Pastor Dave Hatcher, Dave attended Washington State University, where he graduated with a B.A. in Business Administration. He also has three years postgraduate work at Greyfires Hall in Moscow, Idaho, which is our pastoral training program that I attended. Dave is the pastor of Trinity Church. Dave and his wife, Kim, have six children, five of whom are Providence graduates, their local classical Christian school. So welcome to the show, David. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, Gabe. So, so, Pastor Dave, you're a pastor in one of those, I would say, difficult states, uh, the you know, the state of Washington. How has your church been thinking about these last two years? How have you guys kind of responded? I know this is kind of a big opening question. How have you kind of responded, and, and what does it look like moving forward for you guys in the state of Washington? Yeah. Um.
1: Well, it's interesting. God, God did wonderful things for us through this whole COVID lockdown stuff. Um, we we were at a. Uh, Seventh Day Adventist Church, renting that church uh, when COVID broke, and we were at that point in a. They had gone through a, a leadership change, and after having been there for uh, nearly twenty years, they had changed their policy and had and now told us that we were no longer be able to have wine and communion. <laughs> and this was causing us to say, okay, we've we've got to find another place to go. We've, we've got so, what are we going to do? Well. Um, Covid hit. Everything shuts down. Nobody and and the SDA church completely shuts down. Won't even wow. won't let us meet there. Won't do anything. We we did a couple of weeks of live live stream, uh, and then we were able to find a um, uh, a parking lot in uh, Woodenville, Washington, which is kind of our center, and wow. uh, that's where our church office is.
0: Uh-huh.
1: We met in, in a parking lot. Did outdoor parking lot services for the entire summer. That was at twenty twenty two years ago. Wow. Um, now, what was so it's ironic is that we were, while we were there, we were able to serve communion and we used wine. And we were in a parking lot surrounded by wineries, by um, <laughs> wine uh, wine tasting rooms and stuff. Yeah. In fact, we actually gave um, our moms uh, bottles of rosé on Mother's Day and we gave our uh, fathers bottles of Cabernet Sauvignon on uh, Father's Day. <laughs> um, beyond that, we, we ended up getting... Uh, a place where we could where we're now meeting um the sda is still last i checked still shut down or still doing basically virtual services or you know some kind of a mix wow. or something going on yeah. got out of there we uh now meeting in a place where we can uh, we can do worship our own uh, without without any problems with the landlords yeah and uh, and we had to, we had to do that well knowing that we were breaking several of the government the county rules and those kinds of things, right. dealing with being reported and that kind of thing. But we we're small enough and I think uh, able to able to just not respond and we got through, got through that time. During that yeah. time, the community, our community really grew and came together. Um, in, in fact, we were during that time we actually raised money to purchase land just outside of Woodville City. We now own a piece of property that we're beginning to pray about how to go about building on that and putting wow. a building there. So we're here to stay, we're here to stay and, and fight. Yeah. Uh, and it's been a, it's been a great blessing.
0: So, you know, um, here in Idaho, we've had, um, not just our church, but just a lot of Californians moved here just to become, come to a freer state or as, as they would see it, you know, um, uh, we had this, uh, one of my friends had their house bought, um, by somewhere from Portland. Don't even know the guy. Um, I think paid like $1.3 million in cash for the house, you know, so we, we have all these people moving over to Idaho because of kind of how these States have, um, really discouraged freedom. Um, and, and I, so I assume you've sorted through a lot of these questions about maybe even yourself personally, man, should I stay, should we stay and do church here? Um, you know, how should we, you know, um, live in a government that wants to fine us for obeying God. How do you cancel? Let's just bring this down to the family level, or actually, before you get there, how, how have you kind of thought through that question yourself? As you kind of, as you guys kind of, uh, maybe dealt with some initial, you know, uh, small persecution and all this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first of all, we um, uh, we had the opportunity that uh, to have real practical Bible study on the issues of sphere sovereignty, on the issues yeah. of what it means to have a government of the family, government of the church, government of the state, how those are to interact with one another, how, how they all are under the authority of the Lord Jesus, and, and then how we are to operate together. Yeah. Um, and instead of it just being a book that you read, we, we really had to wrestle through what were our responsibilities as a church. Um, right. And again, what, that, what really that caused, along with a lot of debate and, and discussion among our people, but for the most part, uh, it caused us to realize the seriousness, the reality of the church community. Right. Um, that that we, we aren't just, a, you know, a club that's meeting on Sunday and we happen to have similar beliefs and stuff. But we're actually uh, the church militant. We're the light here shining uh, the gospel in the world. And, you know, when we took that kind of stand and just kept on worshiping, kept on meeting to worship... We started seeing a lot of people come and join us because other churches were shut down or um, they were revealing within some of those churches even other kinds of wokeness and different kinds of things right. people that people had had it. Uh, and they, they joined us, not only us, but also we have two sister churches right here in the area, right. uh, CREC churches, and, and all three churches have seen really strong growth with with really wonderful, like-minded people. Uh, and and it, it feels to us like... God's just bringing us reinforcements. God's giving us more and more opportunities to uh, yeah. have a witness here um, for the gospel, for the gospel of grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not so much a we're not here to stand against the government. We're, we're here to, to uh, stand against sin and to offer the, the grace of, of Jesus Christ and then in his lordship, proclaim that lordship everywhere we can.
0: So how would you counsel a family that maybe is processing, you know, should I stay in Washington or should I stay in Dave's church or should I, Sure, I move out of Washington? How do you kind of help a family in that situation process that that conversation?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, we've had a lot of people who have uh, decided to leave. That you know, not just not just during the COVID years. People have left over years for all kinds of different reasons. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and um, for for the most part, nobody has come. People aren't really coming to us and saying, "Well, we've, because of COVID or because of the government suppression kinds of things, should we leave or stay?" Um, oftentimes, people are leaving because cost of living is very expensive here, and they're trying to, to get a family going, or they have some other opportunities, and they do see that another state things are freer and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, for you know, the answer to that question, how do I counsel? Is it totally depends? Uh, totally yeah. depends for, for that family. Need to make their own decisions and stuff. But there are, it, it's just not true in our situation that um, there isn't community and in fact growing community opportunities for education for your children opportunities to worship the lord uh on the lord's day and be part of a great church uh, opportunities mm-hmm. to be um serving one another and your neighbors um i, I remember when uh, back in 2020 remember chop jazz that whole thing downtown seattle
0: yeah oh yeah There's
1: you know whole six uh, square acres um of land that was you know claiming to be its own nation now and and uh, <laughs> and i i you, that's that's in downtown seattle it would take 20 minutes to drive down there from where we are if oh, there was no yeah. traffic yeah I a call from a friend in alaska wanting to know if we were okay because you know seattle was burning down
0: yeah
1: and that's kind of the problem sometimes is, is sometimes there there are there is real tyranny there's real issues going on here in the government there are um real crazy stuff going on here but there's yeah. a whole lot of really good faithful people that are doing a lot of really good, faithful things. We're supporting and coming alongside the um, some of the crisis pregnancy centers uh, right in our area. Some of whom have already been vandalized since the Roe yep. v. Wade thing. We're helping them, help actually helping pay uh, for for them to have security on their premises, and even talking to them about how we can help them out. And that's just helping us to to grow together with a with a growing body of Christians right. who are taking a stand here,
0: um, yeah, for Jesus. So. Uh, in, in some sense, you know, you know, for the longest time, I think conservative Christians, I think, had rightly identified like, hey, our government's getting too big; it's, uh, it's starting to do some, you know, small t tyranny things, uh, and and but you, no one would really acknowledge it, or they just say it's not that big of a deal. Right. But now right. that 2020 happens, we can kind of say, okay. I, I I think it's a little clear that our government is not in a healthy situation. It has too much power, you know, that kind of thing. Now that you, what you, given what you know now about your government in the state of Washington, how do you as a church um, think about, you know, the next 10 years, the next 20 years of building church, building community, building your uh, Christian classical school that you're part of and so forth? Uh, how do you think about moving forward, given what you know now about your government?
1: Yeah, um, well, we talk about, we have this piece of property we want to build a church we really do want to be a physical presence that says um jesus is lord and you're you are welcome to come and join us in worshiping the king of kings right here and he will make an impact on the rest of the city um we 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 believe before COVID. we believe now that uh, worship is the central primary calling of a christian and the primary work of Warfare uh, against the powers of darkness and so our emphasis has always been and always will be um, To gather on the Lord's day to to uh, to worship him sing sing the Psalms He's called us to preach his word Celebrate the Lord's Supper and watch what God does with that Watch okay. what happens after he has shaken the heavens and the earth as we have gathered before him in the heavenlies Amen. Um, And then f- from that we you know, we, we see opportunities both as a church to serve or to speak the truth in different ways um, we are thinking. One of the things we have thought about, and uh, and is to try to focus. You know, the greater Seattle area is huge, um, and so so trying to really focus on a, a local center area and and get folks um, yeah. kind of focus on a, a smaller target in essence right. Uh, right. to begin to, to to really minister to
0: to change. You know, Woodenville instead of all Seattle, focus on yeah. a smaller area. Right. I have a. Um, you might have heard of Pastor Jacob Riom. He's one of the Canadian pastors up in Waterloo area. And I just talked to him uh, this past week, and it just struck me. You know, he's got um, $9 million in fines and I think nine years of jail pending. He's got uh, – each elder has a million dollars in fines yeah, and, a, and, up, and up to a year in jail. And then the church has $50 million in fines. It's just incredible. But how um, – like that that first of all that wasn't bothering him at all and how positive and how encouraged he was talking about ministering to his community uh it was it was incredible and i think that kind of i get a similar feeling kind of talking to you about seattle about woodenville area is that you know um i know the classical christian school that you guys are part of i know it got fines and i know you guys have kind of been pestered by all these um uh COVID, COVID laws for lack of better words um but you you're Seem very positive and unfazed, kind of what's happened these last two years.
1: Uh, Rejoicing. Um, We're not being persecuted, you know, in in a huge way at all, but Jesus says we we might as well practice it right now with little bits. Uh, Yeah. Amen. um, When you're persecuted, you're supposed to rejoice and and give thanks. Um, Apparently, God's up to something and the enemy doesn't like it. And that's good. That's a great thing. So, um, Mm. You know, also why 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 remain positive and optimistic? Well, because Jesus said that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So go. I would assume Seattle's included. Woodenville's included. Go disciple Woodenville. Go disciple your your neighborhood. Go disciple yes, your alley, um, and believe that you know. At the end of that, he says, "And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age." So I mean, yeah. for the whole Christian. What the history of Christianity is about—taking um, new land, taking new places, um, okay. or re- renewing. There certainly are times that maybe that Christians have had to retreat, or Christians have had to uh, protect themselves and, and 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 do things to avoid persecution. Uh, I don't think we're in that situation right now. Here, I think we're we are uh, we're in a situation where we have great opportunities. Th- this whole woke stuff is um, created. I've had the opportunity to talk to. Um, people, for instance, who've tried to change their sex, tra- try to change their yep. gender, come to the fact, come to real- realize, sometimes years and decades later, um, what a what a wrong decision that was. Repent and come to the Lord and be yep. broken people who really need help. Well, I think we're going to see a whole bunch more of that. Broken people who realize that they have finally reached a dead end of their self-serving. Um, self-worship, you know, rebellion against God in in so many of these ways. And we should be here for them. We should be here Mm -hmm. to welcome them to the Lord Jesus Christ just as he has welcomed us.
0: Pastor Dave, uh, what's your church's website? What time do you guys have church on Sunday morning? We
1: are trinitykirk.org trinitykirk.org is our website. We meet uh, just outside the Woodenville area actually at the school's location at 10 a.m. on Sundays. Uh, and you can find more information about us on that website.
0: Thank you, Pastor Dave, for coming on. Appreciate your ministry. Lord Thanks bless for having me. me, Gabe.
1: Take care.
0: All right, let's get uh, Team Waterbreak into the room. I want to bring in uh, both Rhett and Jacob uh, for this uh, time. And, and, you know, if if you guys have followed Rhett and Jacob, uh, Rhett was actually a missionary to Turkey. And, and Jacob uh, came from India into the United States uh, to work on, on his ministry. So thinking through this whole um, scenario of what it looks like to be a refugee, maybe need to leave a state, or maybe you need to leave a situation and kind of um, retreat, strategically retreat back to a better spot for you and your family, or what does it mean to be a reinforcement in in a in a city or in a state or even another country? Um, so, Rhett, when you kind of, put that in the context you you worked as a missionary in Turkey I think for 8 to 10 years and you went into a situation that was worse than you know my previous guest in the state of Washington pastor Dave Hatcher you know given the context the difference between kind of reinforcement and refugee why would why would a missionary why would you decide to leave the comforts of I think you were in South Carolina or leave, leave the comforts of the US and go into a country like Turkey to become a missionary
2: Sure. Well, I think it's what Pastor Hatcher just said, you know, Jesus is about taking land. And so uh, the reason, you know, we wanted to do that is because Jesus is winning the entire world, you know, every tribe, tongue, people and nation. And so we wanted to be a part of that and be a part of what God was doing around the world. You know, all peoples bringing all peoples uh, the gospel. We wanted to go uh, and take the gospel to where the gospel was not thinking about Romans 15, where Paul wanted to preach Christ, where he had not been named, so that was that was our motivation. Um, yeah. And so, while I uh, while I agree in principle with what you have said about you know finding a strong post to you know to man that post and to fight from that post, I agree in principle with the wisdom of that. But also recognize that at times some of us we need to go out and establish new posts. And so, I think yeah. both of those are are legitimate, depending upon uh, just a bunch of different factors maybe your family situation life situation gifting skills all of those things kind Mm -hmm. of factor into to what you need to do there but i do think there is uh there's something to be said for going out and establishing new posts i think both of those are legitimate i've done both and so what you know we've moved to the to the mega city uh, that's yeah. 99.9% Muslim. We've moved to another provincial capital where I knew of one other Christian in the entire city when we moved there. And right. now we're in upstate South Carolina, which is a, which is a pretty strong post to, to fight from yeah. and working yeah. on, you know, strengthening community here, uh, in a small town, uh, called Travelers Rest, South Carolina. so done both think both are legitimate and see a lot of wisdom and, uh, and, and fruit in both.
0: Yeah. Now, now Jacob, you moved from india to the united states i think i believe originally you came here to uh get your master's or your PhD. i can't i can't quite remember forgive me for that um but you came from india to the united states uh to kind of um sure up your christianity sure up your faith sure up your academic um uh, why did you is that you know why did you come to the u.s and what was that transition like going from india to the u.s
3: Yeah, um, Gabe, for us, uh, it was clear that God was calling us to the Western world, uh, and studies was just uh, a way to actually move here, and God opened that door for us. Now, this is what I want to mention. I agree with Rhett that we should be going and uh, engaging in missions around the world, Um, and that was a very call for us with regards to moving here, and I think there's a need for us to understand that while a lot of people are moving out to other places uh, to find refuge and to find a community that they can commune with there's a need for us to also understand this that we need to help reinforce uh, biblical values uh, and you know foundation that's been laid already uh, in the western world so for us Uh, The mission call was more in terms of not just evangelism, uh, in in terms of individuals, but also to understand the need to evangelize the culture, the need to actually reinforce the foundation that's been laid here in the Western world, not just for the sake of the Western world, but also the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Whether we like it or not, a lot of what we believe and uh, how things work out here in terms of our faith kind of trickles down around the world. Now, we need to understand this, that the rest of the world has not had what the Western world had they never had Christendom. So what happens is that uh, in those nations, like for example, where I come from, um, they only function with two sovereignties. One is of the state, the civil government, and the other is church. And what happens is that the the family and the individual capitulates to the demands of uh, the civil government, um, because there's no option for homeschooling, for example, in in those countries, in those nations. So they become very very isolated and insulated. And there's a danger in that, that it leads to a kind of legalism that happens where, and somehow people tend to adopt this idea of escapism. Um, They abandon their post and there's this longing for the other world, you know, whereas not being responsible for the world that God has already given us. Right. Um, And I think biblically we have a mandate uh, as much as it is. It might be necessary for us to sometime move to a place where we may find that community. Uh, But there's also a mandate for us to excel in exile. And Bible is full of those stories. And we should be redeeming those opportunities uh, wherever possible. There's one thing I would just mention is that in terms of our motivation, we we should be checking our motivation. Whether we stay in a place where things are difficult or move to a place where we find a community, we should be asking this. Uh, our motivations, uh, you know, uh, the, foundation, or, or the, the grounding of our motivation is a consumeristic mentality. If that's the case, I would say take a pause. Uh, right. Don't just move to a place because you want to, uh, it's going to benefit you and your family. But right. go with this attitude that you need to be a reinforcement even there a- and contribute to the communities that you're moving to. And that's that right. is as much as necessary, as much as it is necessary in a place where uh, things are uh, not the way we want to be.
0: Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people who have moved or or are considering moving, uh, part of it, I I do think there's a temptation. Grass is greener on the other side. Um, I don't like my difficult situation or the it feels hard to be a church here in the city right now. We're getting fined or, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, But, uh, you know, maybe part of this perspective, Jacob, uh, what was it like for you as a Christian? Was it easier to be a Christian in India or was it easier to be Christian in California? What was that transition like for you and your faith?
3: Uh, I wouldn't say it, it, it did come with a lot of challenges, uh, especially what happens is that you get marginalized as a minority. And here in the Western world, Christianity is not as minor, minority as it, it is back in India. So in that regard, uh, as I mentioned, church used to get completely isolated. They insulate themselves so much from the world that there is no actual involvement with the world that God has given us. Mm-hmm. And it does bring a lot of challenges in the sense that you may not be able to apply for uh, promotions. You may not be applied for better schools. You may not be apply oh, able yeah. to you know just uh, do things that people usually tend to do who have more say in terms of how culture should look like. So right. it does bring challenges at the same time. Things are different now. Um, the persecution earlier times was more in terms of ideas. Persecution in terms of engagement um, uh, uh, at, at ideological level, but now it has moved more in terms of persecution in terms of physical abuse. Um, mm-hmm. Churches are being burned. Uh, pastors are being beaten. Wow. Um, they've been, you know, just uh, completely uh, demonized okay. in, uh, in one sense, and uh, that is doing. Um, In a way, if I may say, this is also also what happens in the midst of persecution. Churches are waking up and realizing that the the need for them to uh, build good reinforcement in terms of raising up their families with the values that are necessary for them to be fighting for their faith uh, to the point of losing their life. And I think we are not there yet here in the Western world. But yeah. that's where we might be heading. So this is a time for us to be asking those questions and preparing ourselves. Are we ready to face uh, those challenges uh, that we might be approaching to? Mm-hmm.
0: And and Rhett, uh, you're in you're in South Carolina, uh, so you haven't really maybe had to wrestle through, in one sense, for your local congregation, You know, do, do you know refugee status or reinforcement status? Um, uh, how? But how are you kind of thinking about? Um, Being in South Carolina, knowing what other governments have done, uh, you know, what New York has done, what um, uh, Washington state of Washington has done and so forth. How are you uh, teaching and preparing, you know, and building your community, your congregation in such a way, whereas maybe to uh, avoid South Carolina becoming in Washington?
2: Sure. Well, you know, teaching on uh, biblical, you know, roles of government and sphere sovereignty and things like that. I think being grateful for the fact that we we do have a strong foundation here in South Carolina politically. I mean, there were some things here I didn't like with COVID laws and back in 2020, but on the whole things went fairly well here in South Carolina. My encouragement to kind of thinking along these lines to people that are in maybe, maybe harder situations. Um, you know, I, I think about uh, that great G.K. Chesterton quote where he talks about the, you know, the one perfectly divine thing on earth, the the one, uh, you know, glimpse of God's uh, paradise on earth is to fight a, a losing battle and not lose it. And so whether I'm talking to, to people who are, who are here in South Carolina with a pretty good strong foundation or to people in maybe a more vulnerable spot, uh, I want them to be, you know, committed to doing the work of not losing. And so that yeah. is we, we just because we're in a good spot in South Carolina, we we don't sit on that. We want to be in communication with our uh legislators. We want to be in communication with our county council. We want to be, you know, advocating for those things. We want to be teaching and building up uh strong families here in the church who are ready for uh to face whatever it, you know whatever comes, ready for uh self-government, uh and, and then also ready for persecution from the you know the state government, yeah. whatever it is, we we'll want to be committed to doing the work of of not losing, trusting God to to do what he does with uh with our faithfulness. And so you know Pastor Hatcher talked earlier about uh you know what God does with you know with the worship of his people and so that's what we're teaching on and emphasizing here in south carolina has
0: has have you seen um a mental uh, kind of mentality shift in in your community over the last couple years in south carolina has there been kind of a discussion on you know um to me i could see the 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 obvious discussions happening in washington gosh man it seems like this government's getting more tyrannical governor insley as we call him incompetent Inslee. um uh i mean he's finding schools for being for not wearing masks for not um enforcing social distancing at school stuff like that so to me the discussion can the mentality could be easier to see over in washington but in south carolina what have you seen in in the the mentality in south carolina has there been kind of an awakening about kind of government tyranny and 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 uh, yes,
2: yes uh, and no i mean there's no. been a wide variety um and so it it really depends on who you're talking to what their experience has been yes there's been a general uptick in people being aware of just kind of what's going on uh around the country um but it really depends on the person some people i think are just really oblivious to what is going on and what could go on and then other people are very wary about government tyranny and things like that but it it really is uh, a wide variety that i have seen uh, kind of along that spectrum But if I were to kind of categorize it on the whole, uh, you know, it's not the same as it is in in places like Canada, like watching where where it is immediate and they're facing fines and they're facing those those hard decisions. Those decisions, uh, a lot of that was faced early on in 2020. And then things kind of relaxed and we've been able to kind of go forward since then, more or less normal. Um, Most of the things have been minor inconveniences here since then. Um, and so it's, I think it's put people, maybe just a little bit at ease, but we do have people, um, who are coming. I talked to a guy yesterday, he's right across from our church and he moved here from California and I asked him why, and he said, because of California. And so we have <laughs> those people who, you know, yeah. a lot of people who are moving here and they are on guard a- against that very thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh Jacob, you, uh, just to finish up here, you actually have a conference coming up, uh, that you're working on, uh, the Bonson conference conference you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that you're speaking there uh i believe pastor wilson speaking there jeff durbin speaking there uh david bonson speaking there Uh, you want to talk about that and give the dates and website and everything
3: yeah um so uh for more details the things are actually still working on in terms of like the details Uh, but if someone is interested they can look up bansonconference.org so as the speakers that you mentioned about um, uh, the idea is basically also to understand and also to speak in terms of uh, uh, the importance of the presuppositional apologetics, how does that work out in terms of practical aspects of our life and why we need to be really um, speaking more in terms of uh, that particular approach of apologetics. So we have a great lineup coming up. Uh, I'm not the organizers, I'm one of the speakers there. Um, So if someone is interested to learn more about it, you can visit uh, bansonconference.org, and registration is open. I believe there's a huge demand here in Southern California. People are really excited to be attending this conference because we don't get to actually get this kind of lineup um, that easily here. So things are moving, things are changing here a lot. Even in Southern California, people are getting really motivated to be engaging in the forefront uh, on cultural issues. So this conference is basically to help people navigate through uh, those ideas and to be prepared in terms of um, analyzing and advocating a Christian worldview into our culture
0: that's that's fantastic what were the dates on it i don't think you mentioned the dates
3: um so uh this one is uh starting from 17th 18th and 19th thursday friday and saturday In of november. Uh, november.
0: In november yeah Yeah. okay very good rhett and jacob thank you for uh, joining the water break team thank you guys for your time
3: thank you thank you
0: it is that time news that john brandon can trust um as you guys know, uh, I don't actually. I don't even know if you know this, but NPR actually started a disinformation um, uh, committee. I guess coming from NPR, uh, you know, uh, is that government. what they're calling it? <laughs> yeah, something. Are like, they calling it a disinformation committee at NPR? I don't know if they're calling it a committee, but I know it's dif- disinformation. Something. It's close enough. NPR government. Okay. News, government media, disinformation, it's going to go well. So me and John Brandon, our goal is actually to combat the disinformation that's coming from the dis- disinformation committee. That's our thats our goal. Uh, and so that's why we are doing news that John and Brandon can trust, because you, you, the only people you can trust in our land right now are comedians. Dave that's Spell, it. Bill Barr, not Bill Barr, <laughs> what's his name? Bill Burr. <laughs> Bill Burr. We're going to talk about him today. Good, good. Uh, so news that John Brandon can trust. Um, now, this is I, I think n- no one's doubting this. There isn't any dif- disinformation here. But, um, you know, right now, 76 pregnancy centers and churches have been attacked since the Roe v. Wade. Uh, first, the leak, because there are some churches that were originally attacked after the leak. Mm. And, and no one has been put into custody. The FBI is not even uh, looking into it. Um, right. seventy six pregnancy centers. It, it blows my mind that like the FBI is not even really looking into this.
4: Well, you know the uh, the people who are demolishing churches and and uh, pregnancy centers are are not practicing what they preach because they're all about you know, my body, my choice. And if it doesn't, belong, you keep your hands off of my body. I get to make my own decisions. That should also apply to pregnancy center, shouldn't it? I mean, if it's not your pregnancy center, then you shouldn't be able to demolish it. Um, (laughs) Not your pregnancy center, not your choice. Right. You should be able to do whatever you want with your pregnancy center. If you've got a pregnancy center, you want to set it on fire, you want to break the windows, um, go for it. But, But my pregnancy center my my choice aren't these the same people who were screaming that christians don't provide care for babies after they're born aren't these the same people they were like you only care about babies before they're born you don't care about babies after you don't provide care after birth
0: man yes
4: we do provide care but you set it on fire
0: (laughs) (laughs) you burn it down
4: yeah i actually don't i don't want i don't want the arrest to even uh take place unless there's going to be consequences Quite honestly, because capturing these people and then making them famous and then turning them loose 15 minutes later uh, mm. doesn't—it's re- kind of counterproductive. Violence mm. is actually the cheapest, most effective marketing available these days.
0: Mm. Well, uh, you know, at some point, someone's got to be held accountable for this. It's pretty—it's pretty egregious. Like all these churches, all these pregnancy centers, and it's like, and the FBI is like, eh. Well. I don't. I don't. I don't think the FBI is gonna is gonna call them, call them to account. I think they're gonna be held accountable, but uh, but it ain't gonna be the FBI yeah. that holds them right. to it. All right. All right. So news that John Brandon can trust there are, are um, uh, according to the National Women's History Museum. Okay. Very. The what? Uh, National Women's History Museum. We have a women's history museum. We do. I wonder if we do. We have a men's history museum. Why do we need a women's history museum? Can't we just have a history museum and let women be part of it? Well, we don't even know what a woman's anymore, so I don't even know why we call it a woman's history museum. Um, there are three featured ladies who have changed history. Okay? According oh, to the National great. Women's History Museum. Only three? Uh, well, well, so they're, they're highlighting. You know, right? And you can actually go on their website, and you can see who they're highlighting right now okay um uh one is rachel levine who's not a woman mm-hmm. that's our assistant health secretary man who, who's dressing like a woman the other one right. is andrea jenkins who is you not guessed a it woman. not a, not a woman Yep, yep. Yeah. and lastly actually i don't know who this 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 one is cecilia chung do you know, okay. who's- apparently he's no. also not a
4: woman. So we got three dudes being recognized by that's right as, by the the National Women's History Museum as influential.
0: Yeah, that's changing history.
4: Okay, you know what bothers me about this, Gabe, is what? that you is that you brought it up and expect me to come up with something funnier <laughs> than the headline itself. <laughs> I mean, what? if this, if this relationship is going to work you're going to have to stop doing that there's there's no way i could top that that's funny three, three dudes are influential in women's history that is, yeah. that's the punchline. i can't top that
0: <laughs> what where, where do you go with this
4: well there's, okay there's, there's, what, what there's about
0: this an there's gotta still be an angle here like there's like, gotta be an angle how about, how, how, this? how about this okay give it to
4: me give me the angle well, what about other museums? You know, we've got a, we've got a National Women's History Museum for some reason and these dudes are in it. So, uh, so what's so what's next? Are we going to have the is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame going to uh, recognize Mozart for his contribution to, to heavy metal? How about the football? How about the and, football and Mozart, Hall of Fame?
0: Yeah, Mozart has contributed to heavy metal. How about How about how about the football? Hall of Fame. I think I think the football Hall of Fame
4: should recognize these three dudes because these guys have been just important.
0: Ooh. News that John Brandon can trust. It had to be the internet had to come in and mess it up. Um if John, John I don't, you might not be able to hear me because it's breaking up. The internet will 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 catch up here in a second and come back. Um, yeah, what do you, what if we did? You know, let's say Michael Jordan was in the NFL Hall of Fame, or you know, Kamala Harris NFL Hall of Fame. Well, lastly, news that John Branny can trust: Republicans introduced the Unborn Child Support Act that would allow moms to receive child support payments before giving birth. You're back, John. You're back. Do you hear me, okay. John? Yeah, I can so, hear. You. I'm I'm on the last one here. If you okay. haven't heard me, this is this is the last one here. Re- Republicans introduced the Unborn Child Support Act that would allow moms to receive child support payments before giving birth. Now here, this when I read this um this is, you know, filed this under the category that Republicans um If what the Democrats can do, uh, the Republicans still find a dumber way to do it. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. I was going to
4: say the Republicans are about 2,000 years too late on the Child Support Act. Yeah. Right? God already gave us this. It's called marriage. It's called family.
0: Yeah. But it just kind of blew my mind. Like Republicans, you know, because pro-life is winning right now, and the charge against Republicans is that we don't want to take care of the baby after it's born – and all right. that stuff. So Republicans are like, well, I know how socialism can fix this. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Don't tell there me the arguing. government can't solve this problem. That's right. We can. Yeah. So that's right. It,
4: well, here's the thing. I, I get it. All right. I get it. And we, I'm glad the babies are finally getting a little bit of protection, you know, under the law.
0: That's, under socialism?
4: Oh, oh. Uh, well, yeah, okay.
0: under Yeah, yeah.
4: Well, yeah. Granted. But, but. Socialism—they're—they're still—they're—they're they're getting, finally, they're being recognized as at least people, you know. It at least does that. Yeah. But here's the thing: you were talking about Bill Burr earlier, and Bill Burr, it, Bill Burr is talking about uh, abortion. He's taking shots at abortion. I don't yeah, know, I know if you, if you saw yeah. this clip. Oh, I saw it. I saw it. It was fire. Yeah. And this is this is Bill Burr taking shots at abortion. It's like. For me, it's like hearing Gabriel Wrench make fun of open carry laws. It's it's that it's that weird. You've got this foul-mouthed, unholy, irreverent Mm -hmm. pagan who's a better friend to babies than all of the liberal pastors in America combined. Right. That's right. And these are the times we're living in. An unregenerated. An unregenerated heathen is risking his career speaking truth, while our self-proclaimed Catholic president yeah. stutters his way through a condemnation That's of the right. Supreme Court
0: for That's overturning right. Roe v.ersus Wade. Did you see David Chappelle's show was canceled like two hours yeah. before he's supposed to have it? Yeah. What What happened there? I mean, like to me, it's like I thought Dave Chappelle was uncancelable, and here here we are, two hours before one of his major events, he got canceled.
4: Oh, it's great! It's great. All of this yeah. stuff is. All of this stuff is great. It, yeah. It's gonna. It's just leading to the acceleration of the destruction of this unholy new religion that has taken yeah. over our country. So, that's good on them. Full that's speed ahead. Good. I, I uh, and if you haven't heard, you know, I, I don't, can't recommend Bill Burr's comedy to uh, to family people. We, it's, it's, rough. Send,
0: it's rough. It's Yeah, send yeah, your kids
4: rough. out of the room. Send your kids yeah. out of the room. But it is
0: it is uh, nails. Yeah. Hey, nails. John. Thank you for coming on this week, man. Can't wait to see you in Knoxville, Tennessee. October 6th through the 8th at the Fight Laugh Feast Conference. I believe John and his daughter and the whole family will be out there partying the with plan. us. Yeah, that's the plan. Should be should be a blast. So thank you, John. See ya. you. next week. See- Every week as you guys turn in to Waterbreak, I, I, I appreciate you guys tuning in. I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you guys sharing the show. Um, I really my, – my prayer, my goal for Waterbreak is that – You are encouraged to find ways to engage with your gifts and your abilities that you don't just kind of sit there but you want to find ways to lead with your faith and not hide it under a bushel and to live out the lordship of christ in every area of life and particularly in how we engage in the public square you know i got into cross politics uh, a long time ago because i wanted to encourage christians to apply their faith to politics and apply their faith to culture to get out with their faith so i pray god uses uh, this show to change you and your city and your state and, and our country. Uh, so, thank you for tuning in weekly. Share the show and hope to see you next week. This is the Water Boy with Water Break. Until next Sunday, go fight, laugh, and feast.
5: When tyrants take over, what's the first thing they do? Disarm. It happened in Russia, China, Germany, and most recently, Afghanistan. Why? Because disarmed people are easier to control. And over the last century and a half, American tyrants have been carrying out a slow, methodical disarmament that no one is talking about. State education. Tyrants know that education is warfare. Our rulers have a vested interest in making you totally harmless. They've got big plans and they don't want you getting in the way. Think about it, would you rather fight an army decked out with high-powered rifles or a bunch of dinky water pistols? They know that if you can think critically, you're a threat. At New St. Andrews College, we want to graduate men and women who are dangerous. Dangerous to the world. Dangerous to the principalities and powers. Dangerous to spiritual wickedness in high places. Education can either arm you or disarm you. It can make you a threat or make you a useful idiot. (laughs) So, where you get that education counts. Click the link to apply to New St. Andrews College today. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations, the world's largest classical Christian homeschooling community. I'm launching a new podcast, Refining Rhetoric. If you like cross-politics or just listen to hear what crazy stuff they're saying today, you will enjoy Refining Rhetoric. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform. I practice the 15 tools of learning by interviewing great guests, looking at current events, and talking about cryptocurrency.